0: welcome everybody to the time is now i am your host michael stafford it is wednesday february the 10th you know what that means fellas oh god valentine's day is right around the corner my goodness this week the king ain't really feeling this nba all-star guys he's not feeling it we've got to talk about that we have ufc 258 uzman versus burns but first we got to recap that super bowl you know super bowl 55 where the goat milked the kid my goodness so sit back relax and i'll see you on the other side and we start here where else could we possibly start besides the super bowl super bowl 55 55 or i call it lv which is perfect for love, which we'll talk about that later. But, in Super Bowl 55, my goodness, it was, it was something... I mean, all kudos to Tom Brady and all that fun stuff, but it was one of the most unwatchable Super Bowl... I started getting an edge up during the second half of the game. It was just that unwatchable. You talk about the halftime show and getting dizzy and getting seasick or whatever from watching that. The best part to me was probably the national anthem. I mean, my goodness, just, just... Just missed on so many levels. I mean, it, it could have been so epic, with all the different things you have. Antonio Brown versus Le'Veon Bell. Which ex-Steelers going to get the championship first? You have the goat versus the kid. You know, baby goat, whatever, and all those different things like that. Will 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 will, you know, Mahomes just increase to his legacy, or will? You know, Brady just take this whole thing to another stratosphere where it's untouchable, where he's above Michael Jordan, where he's above the Kobe's and LeBron's and, and other sports. He's he's above football at this point. It's all about looking at overall, you know, the Michael Phelps, the Tiger Woods of the world, the Serena Williams. What, what GOAT status, what, what top athletic status will we put him? We had all those different things, but it was so many distractions. It, it, it was so many things that turned you off in the game. Only people who really probably enjoyed this game were Buccaneers fans. And it's hard for me to really put into words. Uh, not that it's hard, but these are the people who said it best. Listen to um, Greenberg, Greeny, and, and the other guys in the morning on Get Up. They'll break it down to you a little bit better than me. Hold on. Fifty-five in
1: Tampa. T- Tom Brady and the Buccaneers facing off the reigning champions and the heir to Brady's throne, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. But early on, it's Brady to an old familiar friend. That's Rob Gronkowski taking it in. Brady's first ever first quarter touchdown in the Super Bowl. Gave the Bucs a lead they would never relinquish. Middle of the second. Bucs are up by a score of 7-3 to and they're looking for more. That's Brady, that's Gronk, that's another score. Brady and Tyron Matthew jawing at each other, the Bucks up 14-3. Now they're in the red zone looking to add more before halftime. Final seconds of the half, that is another pass interference penalty there. Penalties on the Chiefs were a huge part of the story and that would lead to this. TB to AB with six seconds left for a TD. And as Matthew and Brady would draw back and forth, it was Tampa up 21-6 to 6 at the half. And then second half, it was more of the same. This is middle of the third quarter. This is Leonard Fournette. He came to Tampa looking for redemption and looking to play with the GOAT. And he got both of those, and he gets a Super Bowl touchdown And a 28-9. Ensuing Chiefs possession, Patrick Mahomes. Under siege all night long. Flings it. It's tipped. It's picked by Antoine Winfield. Blocks would tack on a field goal. It's 31 to nine. Mahomes struggling throughout fourth quarter. Just take a look at this hit. And Dominican Sue. Oh, he egged him fresh out the shower. Mahomes, 56 dropbacks last night. Pressured on 29 of them. That is the most in Super Bowl history. And the Chiefs, desperation time. It's already over. But Devin White putting the ex- Exclamation point on the night with the interception for Tom Brady. His seventh Super Bowl. He is the MVP. Bruce Arians, the oldest head coach ever to win the Super Bowl at the age of 68. Tampa takes it 31-9 in an absolutely stunning turnaround and finish. And I say turnaround. These teams played each other week 12. Kansas City won the game, and the Bucs looked like they were struggling. Then they went on a bye. And since then, those are the numbers you see on your screen. They're 8-0. Their offense went crazy. They put up over 400 yards per game. So light, they won it last night with their defense. But clearly, the way their offense, and look, Dan Orlovsky, we spent, it feels to me, like half our Mondays during this season complaining about Tampa yeah. Bay's offense. What did they do these last eight games that just completely turned it around?
2: Well, they realized who they aren't, and they realized who they are. You know, I said in October that if they kept Tom Brady clean, he could throw it as good as anybody in football still. And last night, that was the story. That six-man play-action pass that gave him time to be accurate as a passer. Watch Godwin go in motion. Once he goes in motion and that defensive back follows, well, Brady knows it's going to be single high-man coverage. Now we got to keep him clean. Gronk stays in, play fake to the tailback. I want everyone to just see this, p- this pocket. He's seven yards away from the closest defensive lineman. This is a picnic in the backfield. Receivers, go win one-on-one on on the outside. That's easy work for Tom Brady and Antonio Brown. But then down in the red zone, I love Byron Lefford's creativity of the RPO. Gronk is going to slice across the line of scrimmage. Sorensen has got him in man coverage. But keep your eye at the bottom of the screen on Mike Evans. His job, get Gronk open. Just get in the way of that trailing linebacker. Play fake, bad eyes by Sorensen, and now you're stuck behind Gronk. 70% of this pass game last night, this is from Hembo, 70% of their pass game was off play-action pass. I watched the first three quarters again this morning. I counted two drop-back passes from Tom Brady. They were the first dropbacks of the game. After that, it was six and seven-man protection. We're going to keep number 12 clean, and no one's going to get near him, and he's going to do whatever he wants with the football. And that was the case. And so I credit Byron Leftwich and B.A. because I was hard on them. The greatest thing they did was realize we aren't who we've been in the past, but we are this play-action-passing football team. And if we keep Tom Brady upright, he'll do whatever he wants with the football.
1: You know, Dominique, how many times over the last 20 years have we said – Uh, Bill Belichick coached New England Patriots team. He doesn't worry about what they look like in September. It's all about being at your best at the end. And And we always gave all that credit to the coach. And I'm not taking anything away from Belichick. But, boy, this feels very similar, doesn't it? Like they took about two months to figure out what they needed to be. And then, Dominique, once they got it, they were unstoppable
2: and also similar to that Patriots thing I think Dan and I were talking about this this morning is that they changed from week to week and maybe they haven't changed from week to week this season yeah but they certainly changed from week to week in the playoffs their scheme offensively has been dynamic and that was part of it I think that the Chiefs came in expecting one thing which is why they were comfortable playing man coverage and doing blitzing and then got something completely different something that the uh the Bucks haven't been kind of majoring all, in all season that they've increased as the season's gone along. So I think that was part of it and that's a lot. We do get a lot of credit to coaches in normal circumstances, but in this circumstance it feels like we're giving a lot of credit to Tom Brady, which he deserves, but I also think Byron Leftwich is part of that, having faith in what they can do and understanding no how to teach it in a way that guys can pick up very quickly.
1: Our, uh, R.C., I also want to no ask doubt. you this. The Kansas City Chiefs had 95 yards worth of defensive penalties in the first half. Now, the way the game winds up, it's kind of hard to say the officiating decided it, but right. there were certainly a lot of people complaining about it at the time, and we saw the Chiefs defenders were unhappy about it. What did you think of that? What did you think just in general about the impact that all of those penalties had on that defense no, last night? I,
2: I think they're huge. When you, you know, um, Tony Romo talked about it a little bit last night, the percentage of the opportunity to score the what it is when you have one penalty or when you have two penalties. A lot of times yeah. that leads to touchdowns or field goal attempts by the opposing offenses, and we saw that last night, but it was also the times and when they were called. Think about the pass interference on Ward or the legal contact on Ward. That's an interception by Tyron Matthew, and then late in the second quarter, you get the uh, call on Brashard Breeland, and then it's followed by a call on Tyron Matthew on the ball that looked uncatchable, and so when you have these sort of things happen, and Tampa Bay already has it rolling, and now those things lead to points, it turns into an insurmountable lead and that's what we saw going into halftime for the kansas city chiefs
1: yes it felt like that was a huge storyline at halftime last night and then Mm -hmm. the way the game ends up when kansas city doesn't score a touchdown it's hard to say that the defensive penalties are the reason that they lost but they certainly didn't help okay
0: see there's a lot of speculation there were, were the refs involvement early um, took just took Kansas City out of it, took them out of their game plan. Uh, and then of course you had all the different injuries and stuff like that. Then you had with Holmes doing some things that you probably would never see Even in one play, he was horizontal and threw the ball right at the, I think it was Tariq Hill's face mask or was it Kelsey? I can't remember. I want to say that was Kelsey right in the face mask and just couldn't catch it. Just couldn't catch it. They were already out of it. They were zoned out. The game was in their minds unwinnable at that point. And it was just a shame it was just a shame where i was expecting a back and forth but when you really think about it if you really go back um, a lot of us even myself included i was in vegas and i bet on the game in every one of my parlays all my bets had kansas city winning but why did i do that if you just really go with your mind and not your head the fact that they're the only team to be having home field advantage for the super bowl and you have probably the best quarterback of all times who's the most prepared him giving time to prepare he's usually flawless you have to do some crazy things like the Philly special to beat him or the, the Tyree catch with with, with with the Giants you have to you have to really attack him defensively to get him off his get him off the point but you, his offensive line was stout and, and Kansas City's defense just wasn't and you can't do all these trick plays giving Todd Bowles so much time to figure it all out I should have known better not to put all my money on Kansas City I should have known better And I didn't do it. Even in that game, last time they played in week 12, where Kansas City was doing astronomical things in the first quarter. But from the second quarter on, Tampa Bay owned them. They won because they just had such a huge lead in the first quarter. So they already had them pretty much figured out before that game was over. They just came up short. And since that moment in time, they went, like they said before, early on on, on the segment, they went on a bye and never lost again. And you got to look at the the the, the road traveled. I mean, not the Washington team, but you go against Drew Brees. That's another Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer. You go know, against Aaron Rodgers, who's the MVP this season. That's another future Hall of Famer. Why not go through the baby goat and Patrick Mahomes? Just a perfect, right out to the season. And then first time you were with the team, I just I should have known better. So I lost a lot of money, so I was not happy about it. I didn't even finish watching the game, for that matter. It was just, to me, it was unwatchable, it was not. It was uneventful, and it was worse than when I lost money to Tom Brady and those boys, when the Seahawks, instead of running it in with Marshawn, they got the pick. I, I lost, I was, I was already counting my money, I was high-fiving people, and that pick happened, that sink in my stomach. But this was worse. I mean, even though I knew the whole way I could see me losing the money, It was unwatchable because of the ref's influence. Because I think even without the ref's influence, the Kansas City probably would have lost, at least with a close game. But the blowout is like, it's just unwatchable. I I hope not to see a a Super Bowl like that ever again in my lifetime. But that's it so far. So guys, Mm -hmm. we're going to take a short break. This is the time. It's now. This show is brought to you by Pure Diamond Auto. With Pure Diamond Auto, they take the dirt out of the car business and make it pure. Pure Diamond Auto has a team of former finance and sales managers who can guide you through all the tricks of the trade. Go to www.purediamondautola.com today and use promo code TIME for a free consultation. That's promo code TIME. That's purediamondautola.com. What can I say? I love PDA. All right, you know what time it is. It's my favorite segment of the show with the happy birthday. So let's go. We have Paul Millsap turning 36, and Randy Moss, straight cash homie, turning 44, and Larry Nancy, the original slam dunk champion, turning 62, and Robert Griffin III turning 31, and Bill Russell. The Great turning 87 and Ken Shamrock turning 57. We have Drew Bledsoe turning 49 and Riff Hamilton turning 43. We have Akeed Talib turning 35 and Mark Price turning 57. Yara Shahidi's All Growing is turning 21 and Jadavion Clowney turning 28. We have Jennifer Aniston turning 52 and RB Sensation Khalid turning 23 and RB Legend Brandy turning 42. And we got that Destiny's Child and Kelly Rowland turning 40. And Senator Sarah Palin turning 57. And Dan Rue, go ahead and dance from Dan Rue, turning 33. And Taylor Lautner over here turning 29. And Gucci Mane turning 41. And Jerry Springer turning 77. And Coach Mike Shizeski turning 74. And she's going to show you that body yaddy yadi yaddy, yaddy Meg the turning 26. And finally, we have the Birdman turning 52. The Birdman, that's from Cash Money. Birdman, not the Birdman in the NBA. <laughs> Turning 52. We have some honorable mention. We had Abraham Lincoln, Honest Abe, would have been 212 years old, but he was fatally killed in that, that famous killing um, back in that um, when they had the, the thing, got shot in the back of the head um, in 1865 at, 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 at the recital, at the, at the show. And we have Steve McNair from the NFL quarterback. He would have been 48 this week, passed away in 2009, fatally killed by his mistress in 2009. And then we have Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds died in 2018, would have been 85 this week. Well, that's all the birthdays this week, guys. So now back to our show. Welcome back, everybody. Let's get into the NBA action. NBA action. Now with the NFL season finally behind us, it's all NBA all day. Now we know there's some NHL out there. We know that baseball is about to ramp up right now, but nobody cares. Let's get into the NBA. It's starting to heat up in the NBA right now. Let's go back to my week eight picks. Let's start with Tuesday. I had the Clippers versus the Nets. I thought that, you know, the Clippers, even on the road versus the Nets, even though the Nets are very good at home, I just figured the Clippers going to win because they were playing so damn well maybe a pre- preview of the finals but yep i was wrong the clippers lose to the nets next portland versus the dc versus the wizards i had the wizards as they started to play better but they are still staggering players westbrook playing some nights and and then you have um well bill's always playing but westbrook plays every other night and you still have all those injuries so dc lost to portland i was wrong there boston versus the dubs that was actually a good game but then some little mishaps happened so then i have the dubs winning i was wrong Wednesday, Philly versus Charlotte. I had Charlotte doing very well as they were starting LaMelo Ball. But I was wrong. Philly is that team, even on the road. um, Charlotte lost to Philly. I was wrong. Mavs versus Atlanta. I love this matchup always, all the time. Mavs versus Atlanta because you have that trade, that historic trade in in, in the playoffs. So every time they go up against each other, I'm always going to lean towards the team that's at home. I had Atlanta beating the Mavs. I was wrong as the Mavs started to resurge and regroup on their season next phoenix versus the pelicans i had the pelicans beating phoenix at home as the pelicans start to rise they're starting to fly high i was right pelicans win thank goodness i gotta win thursday denver versus the lakers i had the lakers winning i was right next the warriors versus the Mavs. i had the warriors on the road winning and i was right those are the road warriors i was right again Next, Houston versus Memphis. You had the players back. When all the players are playing in that lineup, they're almost unbeatable. Houston took down Memphis. Now, Friday, Boston versus the Clippers. I had the Clippers winning at home. Like I said, they've been playing very well. But they lost to the Boston Celtics. I was wrong. Next, Saturday. The Nets versus Philly. I was a little iffy on this one. I didn't know who was going to win, and the Nets actually aren't that good in the roll, so I should have known better to go against. My first thought was to have Philly win, but I was wrong. I chose the Nets last minute. Philly over the Nets. I was wrong. Later that day, Dubs versus the Mavs. I picked the Mavs at home. I was right. Next, Memphis versus the Pelicans. I had the Pelicans at home. I was right again. The Pelicans flying high. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Boston versus the Suns. I had the Suns at home. I was correct. And then finally, on Monday, Houston versus Charlotte. I had Houston on the road versus Charlotte. Charlotte picked it back up again. Once again, players not being played in Houston. I think Oladipo did not play. No, John Wall did not play that game. And Charlotte beat Houston. I was wrong. Finally, Milwaukee versus Denver. I had Milwaukee winning on the road, and I was correct. Giannis Kumpo, stepping it up. So that gives us a recap for week eight. I was eight wins, eight correct, and eight wrong. That's how that turned out there. Let's go on to week nine. How are we going to do in week nine this week, people? Let's take a look. In week nine, Wednesday, tonight, Atlanta versus the Mavericks. The Mavericks are doing very well. As Porzingis is starting to pick it up. I have Dallas beating Atlanta. Indy, the Pacers versus the Nets. I got the Nets winning at home. The Nets are very, very good at home. And I think that you might have um, KD back for that game. Later on tonight, we have Charlotte versus Memphis. I want to see LaMelo Ball versus John Morant. We're going to have Rookie of the Year versus Future Rookie of the Year. This will be a great game. You got to watch it, guys. I have Charlotte upsetting Memphis. Next, Milwaukee versus Phoenix. The Suns. I have Milwaukee winning on the road. The Suns are kind of staggering right now. They're playing 500 ball. Milwaukee is picking it up. Tomorrow, Thursday, Philly versus Portland. I have Philly winning on the road versus Portland. Portland looking like pretenders right now, even though you have some really good game coming from... um, uh, Cantor. Ennis Cantor's playing very well. Double-double machine right now, but Philly's just doing that much better. I truly feel that Embiid will dominate over Ennis Counter. And then, Friday, we have New Orleans versus Dallas. Dallas right now, like I said, Pelicans are flying high. And Dallas, they're doing well as well, but I think this will be a great matchup. Dallas could easily win this one, but I'm going to lean towards the Pelicans. Next, Milwaukee versus Utah. I have Utah. Remember, people, Utah won 11 games straight. That's the largest this season. And Milwaukee's a great team, but Utah at home is very dangerous. I have Utah beating Milwaukee. Next, Saturday, Sixers versus Phoenix. I think the Suns are going to get some revenge over Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a decent team in a row, but not as good as they are at home. Phoenix is a 500 squad right now. But I think Ayton is going to be a big factor in this game. And Chris Paul is really hard to, 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 to do business with. Yes, Ben Simmons does well, but Chris Paul is a more cerebral player. I think Ben Simmons hurts Philly in this game. Phoenix with the win. Brooklyn Nets versus Golden State. I have Brooklyn winning on the road. This is the matchup. You got KD returning to Golden State for the first time this season. I think he's going to look out for blood. He's going to destroy that team, especially Draymond's going to be a very big non-factor. Now, moving on to Sunday, the Lakers versus Denver. I have the Lakers winning on the road again. I think Lakers, if, if, if AD plays and it's healthy, the Lakers will win. If AD does not play and it's just LeBron, I don't see it. They don't have enough depth at the big position, even though, the Saw played very well against Jokic last time, especially in the fourth quarter. They need to stagger that off because Saw only played t- 20 minutes or so a game, would not be enough to beat Denver. But if AD plays, I have the Lakers winning that game. Next, Boston versus the Wizards. if I feel like they could, if, if the Wizards play Westbrook and everyone is healthy and everyone plays, I believe they're good enough to beat Boston at home. If Westbrook doesn't play, they will lose. Right now, I'm leaning towards the Wizards. Monday. We have the 76ers, Philadelphia versus Utah. I have Utah winning. I think Rudy Gobert is going to be a big factor against Joel Embiid. Finally, we have the Brooklyn Nets versus Sacramento Kings. Now, it's a reason why I chose this one, guys. The Kings are playing very well. They're hiding under the radar. Um, the Halliburton and the guys, and you you have De'Aaron Foxes, and, and, and you, you still have the guy. I forgot. Now, nah, I can't remember this guy's name. My goodness. Um, Barnes. Harrison Barnes playing very well. You have a lot of these young players playing very well and Brooklyn on the road. They're not so good on the road and I can see them easily because they don't play enough defense and Sacramento's been stepping up their defense. I can easily see that the Sacramento Kings, I call them the Queens, to win that game. So that's all my picks coming up for this week. Let's dive a little deeper into the things happening in the league right now. Right now, let's look at the schedule coming up. February 23rd, we have a 10-day contract maybe signed, so we're going to get some of those 10 days, and you look to see the Brooklyn Nets making a lot of moves there. As they, I believe they just picked up another player. And we did just have a trade happen with the Knicks. I, I'll be remiss if I didn't talk about it. The Knicks trading to get to receive Derrick Rose back on their roster. I feel as if the Knicks are just trying right now to create a buzz. Even though there's no fans in the stadiums, they probably believe they're going to have some fans coming along around the playoffs, and they want to have an exciting team as they may make the playoffs for the first time in several. Several seasons, and Derrick Rose returning—I wouldn't say home, but that's the last time he had decent success—was in New York. Moving on, March fifth to the tenth, we have the NBA All-Star break. So, in about a month or so, we'll have the NBA All-Star break, and we have some controversy with this. We have people like LeBron James saying that his his body will be there, but his heart and soul won't be there. You have a lot of players who are very critical, saying that it's what's the point? If the whole point is to ward away. From getting people ill, you're gonna have all these players come from all over the 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 the, the United States to one location to go back. That could be a super spreader event. And you're saying also too, because it's not a, a All-Star weekend, you're just having one solitary game. So what's that whole week of idle time in a state that's virtually open? I've seen pictures people down in Atlanta. They're just no mask, no distancing, no nothing. They just all. <laughs> Rolling, rolling the dice in their lives and, and and it's just opened up the floodgates for guys who are being isolated people in LA people in New York you know people in states where they have a huge um, uh, restrictions they're going to go down there and wild out There's, it's the human nature human thing to do and be, being that you're an athlete a superstar athlete you're going to feel like you're indestructible but guess what that's going to cost you even if you don't lose your life you can lose time on the court. You lose continuity. Who knows what the lasting effects are? So it's just very, it just looks like a money grab. And, and I am ashamed of the league. I think they should still do the draft. I feel they should still um, have people selected and get their their paid for doing it, but not actually playing the game. So I side with LeBron James. Moving on, March 11th, they have the second half of the regular season starts on March 11th and March 25th is the NBA trade deadline. I feel like you gonna have a lot of pieces moving at the deadline. There's gonna be a lot of things happening. I'm, I'm gonna speak on my Lakers first. Um, Noticing things about the trending with Kuzma. Kuzma playing very well. It's like he's marketing himself. Pay attention. I talked about this before, and I see THT getting minutes, eating up some of um, uh, Kuzma's minutes. And I feel as if the Lakers may be kind of threatened, feeling threatened about what's happening with the Clippers as they're starting to surge, but they don't really have a big three. And then Philly. Philly actually has a a subtle big three because they actually have Simmons. Embiid and Tobias Harris, who's now becoming an all-star. They may have three potential all-stars in that team. And of course, you look at Brooklyn, they have three all-stars. Lakers have two. So they may be looking for someone like a, like a Rosen, who's in the last year of his contract. But how do you make that work? DeMar Rosen makes too much money. So there's only so much you can really do. So you got to take a look and see how that happens. I did some trade things in the trade um to try to get people like Zach Levine. Only way to do it, you got to do a player like Schroeder and Lakers are not going to give up Schroeder. Right now, it's looking like Kuzma. Kuzma's being the odd man out, not getting quality minutes, not getting clutch minutes, and he's producing, getting shot blocks, getting double-doubles almost every night for the last three weeks. Kuzma has been balling, but he's still not getting the minutes. He's still not getting trusted. He's been shooting it pretty well, shooting 37% from three. He's going to be on the trading blocks, and you'll have other players as well. You'll have people like Aaron Gordon. Not Aaron Gordon. Yeah, I was right. Aaron Gordon over there in, in Orlando is going to be on the block. You're gonna have players like um in new york you have the players like uh randall julius is gonna be on the block you're also gonna have players like zach is gonna be on the block and we already seen derrick rose move so you're gonna see a lot of players getting some some traction some movement Rose may be on the block because you have teams who are just treading water want to make some moves happen they want to clear up space for next year may have already given up on this season you never know i even heard Alonzo balls on the block which i think is silly but hey he's also on the block jj reddick's on the block so you have a lot of things happening a lot of moving pieces look for things to happen in the coming month next may 18th to 21st we have a playing tournament i look forward to that i think it's one of the best ideas they've had it gives us a little bit of march madness in may so we're going to call it may madness or may mayhem i like that go ahead and coin that we have some may- mayhem in the league for the 7-10 to ten seeds, trying to battle it in. Advantage to the 7th seed, and ten seed just got to win out. It'd be great, fun to watch. And then finally, May 22nd, when the NBA playoffs start. Look forward to that. I hope the Lakers in the second half of the season start resting AD and LeBron more. And just, they don't need the number one seed. And there's no such thing as home court advantage if there's no fans there either. Even though the Lakers are road warriors. Now speaking of them, because that's my team, and they are the favorites still um i don't they don't need as they've proven to see they went on the road more than any other team in the league they don't need home court advantage so i think they should start because they didn't have much rest they had 71 days they flipped it back around no training camp no nothing just back out there balling and lebron even though it's his lowest minutes of all time he's looking gassed people he was short on his threes lately ad's been missing games here and there so i look to see the lakers after the nba all-star break to really start coasting and resting a lot of the players and getting more shine to people like Wes Matthews, Caruso, THT, Kuzma, and and Markeith. That's where you're starting to see Vogel doing that now. Getting these people involved, getting them more playing time to go forward down the line. So that's what I see happening moving forward in this season. Um, The the Nets are still live. I believe the Nets are still live to make some move happen. They get some pieces. Um, I I saw people talking about maybe um, JaVale McGee being bought out. And if he's bought out, he has a chance to go to either the Lakers or the Nets. And I think because the Lakers traded him away, he may go towards the Nets. And if that happens, the Nets are very alive. And I believe they can actually come out of the East. And and in the seven game series, they have the ability to beat any team, any given night. And in the playoffs, some teams, they might, this is the thing. The Nets need two things. They need a little bit more depth, just a little bit more. And they need to actually commit to defense. With all that offensive power, they should be well rested on the defensive end. Their offense sucks because they play a lot of also ISO ball, but you have three great ISO players, so meh, they're gonna outscore anyone almost any given night, but defense. If they play defense, they are the clear-cut favorites, in my opinion, to win it all. And they don't have to play defense, they can play defenses in spots. Rebound the ball, box out, just fundamental things and play some spot, deep team defense, some team defense strategies, they are easily the, the favorites to come out. I don't care how they're playing now. They're adjusting. So the Nets can, they're alive, people. But my still long favorites, and I, I forgot to bring up Milwaukee. Milwaukee also has a big three if you really want to count Drew, um, Drew Holiday. People got to stop discrediting, put some respect on Middleton's name. Middleton's is, is, that, that's a big three over there as well. So Lakers may look to move Kuzma because i believe he could be a big three caliber player to be the sixth man him and um um uh, harrell come off the bench can both be six man and and dominate they're both getting double doubles but i just feel as if it's bad for his personal career i think it's bad for kuzma i think he may be looked at as a journeyman for the rest of his career when you have people in his draft class all getting paid and past lakers getting drafted early all got paid and like Russell, then D'Lo Russell who became an All Star, got paid. Brandon Ingram becoming a first time All Star, got paid. Um, you know, you had Julius Randle getting paid. Clarkson even got a decent contract, and he's like a six man right now. But he get at least at minimum be a Jordan Clarkson, making big money, not ten million or whatever a season. You know, these guys are making like twenty mil, eighteen mil. He can make that money. So I'm rooting for Kuzma to um, either. I want him to get his money. I want him to stay this whole season and then next season get traded. This season, let's get that championship. Next season, get traded away. Go make some money. I want him on the team. I'm doing it for, I'm thinking about his best interest because I wouldn't want him to see waste his career away. He could either be a player like, "Mm, who's got his money. I wouldn't even say Manu Ginobili, because I don't remember him getting big contracts, but I don't want him to end up like a Robert Warrior. You get all these rings, but your contracts always suck. And no one ever looks at you, you as a great player, never making an all-star team. You're just over here being the critical piece in winning championships. That's great if that's all you want, but if everybody wants to get paid, once you get your rings, you want that money. You want that money. So final, finishing off UFC 258 this weekend, Usman versus Burns is the marquee card. Usman's been dominating. Uh, my African brothers out here doing big things, and that's going to be an exciting. Bout that's going to be this Saturday at at 10:30 Eastern Time. Go ahead and get that card. You guys going to enjoy that one. So that's it so far. This guys we're going to take another short break. This is the time. It's now. One. We do not own the rights to this music.
3: These buildings could
4: drift out to sea Some natural catastrophe Still there's no place I'd rather be Cause nothing even matters to me See, nothing even matters See, nothing even matters matters to me Nothing even matters
3: Nothing even no matter matters my identity me. I sometimes have a tendency To look at you religiously babe. Cause nothing even matters To me Nothing even matters Nothing even matters to me sit on my baby, baby No oh.
4: Either Cause nothing even matters No more See nothing it don't matter See nothing even matters No more Nothing even matters nothing, nothing
3: even matters even Now matters. No my is go And make it to the final fall Just repossess my fault by fault Nothing even matters No more, you're more, you're more Nothing even you're more. matters Nothing even matters
5: There's so many things I've got to tell you But I'm afraid I don't know how Cause there's a possibility That you look at me differently, love Ever since the first moment I spoke your name From then on I knew That by you being in my life, things were destined to change. Cause love, so many people. I know you Longing for your kiss For, for your kiss your touch, For your feel For your passion Many nights I've cried From the things you do Felt like I could die From the thought of losing you I know that you're real With no doubts And no fears And no questions yeah.
0: back welcome back that was nothing even matters by lauren hill and d'angelo love that number and then also we did a second number this week a little special week as this like i said is love week valentine's day coming up so we have music soul child and love and love and what is love and all these things about love and it to me is not really about like valentine's day anyone who knows me knows that i loathe this day out of all the holidays i loathe this one the most a holiday that began they say so many rumors about a uh, a priest or high priest um who when at the times of war um the king the emperor felt that it was better to have soldiers who were not married did not have children young men soldiers who had nothing really pretty much to lose make the best soldiers and then you had the the priest high priest saint valentine who did not think that was right that people should have love so people should find love so he was in secrecy marrying them off giving them wives and then when the emperor found out had him beheaded killed him and and memory of the St. Valentine who believed in love and that love is important and true love is important that people at the middle of February of every year will celebrate by showing your true love, love and affection. Or the person that year that you just want to bone, who knows? And you just wanna go ahead and give them some candies and flowers and take them out someplace nice. But this is the thing. This is what I hate about that. It is the commercialization of this to me should be a great holiday and when i because i buy flowers for my woman all year round i know the prices of them look most of you only do it once a year the prices are quadrupled than that of any other time of the year yes i know about demand you know and all that stuff like that supply and demand i understand all the marketing but to me i hate that And then you have to do a rush and then you try to get a reservations to a place you want to eat and then it's always packed and and you're you can't even have a special moment you got to figure out things every year to do and it becomes a strain for those who work crazy hours and you're trying to provide for your family you got to sit here and spend x amount of dollars and do all these different things and at the time it becomes so routine and so mundane and it, and it takes away from what the true meaning is. And also, why should you wait to the 14th of of every February of every year to show the person you love that you truly love them? It's all BS to me, so I cannot stand the holiday. However, I understand the premise. That's why I chose those different songs, because it makes you reflect back on those you truly love and truly care for and why you do the things that you do and why you work as hard as you work and why you sacrifice what you sacrifice for those you love. It's for those you love that you do the things that you do. And I go deeper into that. What is love, really? And they say in the spiritual realm, is um, unconditional. That agape, love. That no matter what you do, no matter how you act, in the end, I will always love you our sacrifice, my only child, as Christ did for us, because I love you and I want what's best for you. People think they know love when you're 18 years old and you have your first crush. They call it puppy love because you're just a child having new emotions and new feelings for this new person and you just met them and they're so cute and he's so handsome and all these different things and you think you love them, but guess what? Most of the time you never end up with them. You don't end up marrying them for the rest of your life. And then you even get to that point of matrimony and you you finally found that one. and You just love them so much and it's nothing you would do for them. And then you get divorced. What does that mean? Was it love? Was it lust at one point? Yeah, you still love them. You got love for them. Are you in love with them? What does that mean? Well, they all say, what does that mean? I'm in love with you. I truly believe it's not until you become a parent, a true parent in a sense, especially when a woman she has to carry that child. I'll focus on the woman part, but at the end of the day, I'm gonna speak from the male's perspective, because I asked my check. I'm a man. Not until my daughter Maya was born did I truly know what love really is. What it is. A lot of people don't know the story, but you guys are close to me. I'll go ahead and share it. A year before my daughter was born, my brother committed suicide. And I didn't know how to deal with that. And I was going through my own mental trauma. And I didn't really want to be here until I found out my daughter was going to be born. Gave me a new purpose to live. My daughter saved my life. The love that I immediately had for her before she was born propelled me to another stratosphere. It is that continued love that I have for my seed, for my daughter, Maya, that pushes me through every mountain, through every obstacle. When I want to give up, I don't because she needs me as much as I need her. Her love transcends all. My love for her is everything. It's unconditional. No matter how I feel, no matter how I look, no matter what things I could have possibly done wrong, no matter what, she embraces me with open arms and says, Daddy, I love you. No matter what, no matter who, what, no matter what, it's unconditional. And that's the agape, that is love. So on this weekend, as you do your candies, you do your flowers, you do all those little things, remember to cherish those who truly love you for those of the people will hold you down when you need them the most until next time mm-hmm. well that's it this week guys thank you so much for rocking with me the subscribers keep going up and i appreciate all my fe- fellow listeners who been rock with me all this time i appreciate you remember if you like the show hit like share and subscribe Now it's time for our final word. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child when I became a man. I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. 1 Corinthians thirteen eight through 12. Remember, spread love, share love, embrace love for god is love until next time peace